So um, I lived in Colorado for a little while. It's where I met the Lord and met my wife. So the two best things that happened to me happened there in Colorado. And uh, I, played, I played some ball there in Colorado, softball, with adult softball league, pretty competitive. We played in tournaments. And so uh, on this one occasion, we were going down to La Junta. We were, lived in, um, uh, in the Colorado area, just outside of Colorado in Lakewood. And uh, we were going down to La Junta, and uh, we're traveling down there. My brother's pickup truck, I'm in the back of his truck, like in the bed with a camper shell, you know, those school stuff. And um, we're traveling on down there, and it is pouring rain, like pouring rain. And it's bad. It's like really bad. Traffic's moving slow. And there's this car next to us, you know, cruising along with us. It's this family, and there's a bunch of kids in there. There's a lot of people in this car. I mean, I don't even know how many, but there's a bunch. And they go kind of moving on by us, and the next thing we know... They hit something, and they start skidding, and they go off the road into the dirt, and they roll. They're rolling. And we're, like, watching this. Like, I'm looking out the windows, and we're seeing this happening right in front of us. And we pull over, and, I, and I've got very little on. Like, I got shorts, and I, I don't even think I have a shirt on. I'm laying back there on a mat, on a cot, and I'm just chilling. And, and all of a sudden, we're thinking, like, all of a sudden, it's just, it goes chaos. Like, Oh my goodness, what's going on? Like, there's like this storm, the rain's coming down, cars are pulling over, headlights are, you know, taillights are, are starting to shine, this car's rolling in the mud. And so we pull over and we jump out, and, and I'm like in, a, I'm, I have very little clothes on. Uh, I did have pants and shorts on, so we'll stick with that. And, uh, and, and I'm in bare feet, and we run up to the car, and we're thinking, you know, I'm thinking, these people gotta be dead. Like, every one of them have got to be smushed. I mean, because the car is upside down. And it's squished. Like, there's very little room between the roof and the door. All the glass is blown out. It's all gone. And we're, and we're seeing, as we're coming up to the car to begin to figure out what we're going to do next, bodies are crawling out. Like, little kids, people, parents, the children, they're all, like, crawling out. And it dawned on me, like, like, at that moment, all that was important were those people, like the people, not our cell phones, not our food, like not our clothing or our luggage. All that we were trying to rescue out of that car were people. And that's, how, that's, that's, that's true about what is most important to God, right? When it comes to the collision of this world, the car crash of the planet, taken over by the evil one. God has sent his son to rescue us on a mission. And he's not interested in our cell phones or our fancy things. He came after us. Like he is most concerned, his greatest desire are the souls of people. People. That's all that matters to him. You know, and, and for us this morning, what I want us to think about is, is that when it comes to Jesus the mission must be first. The mission must be first. It's about the mission of Jesus that has to come first above everything else that we do or everything else that we're about is the mission of Jesus. And so we're talking about these critical core values that in 2019 we're already into the year and we're moving forward and we're going to bring some things with us into this year that we're going to always take with us when we travel because these are eternal things and they're important things and they're critical to our soul. One of them is prayer, right? This heart cry of prayer that we're going to continue to be in prayer to God about what He wants in our life and that He is among us and that His presence is with us and we are so grateful that He is. Amen to that? 
Like, and so we're going to talk to him, and we're going to spend time with him, and we're going to listen to him. We're going to let God speak to our hearts. We're going to pray. We're going to spend time in prayer. And the second thing is the living word, that, that we're not going to go anywhere without the word of God, like the truth of God, that we, that we live and we read and we understand and we internalize and then we live out the word of God. We're not just going to be hearers of the word, but we're going to be doers of the word, right? right? We're going to obey God's word, right? Not obeyed sometime in the past and now we just listen to the word, but continually obeying the word of God as we live our lives. That's what we're going to do. We're going to bring with us the living word of God. And then we talk about the sense of belonging, that, that we belong to the kingdom of God and God calls us his children. We're his sons, we're his daughters, and we belong to him and we belong to one another. And so one of our core values we're taking with us is a sense of belonging, the gift that we can belong to something eternal, like to God, eternal, not, not belong to the world or anything in the world, but belong to God who is eternal, and, and, and in that we will live forever. And we talked about being built up in Christ. The teachings of Jesus are one of our core values that are very important for us, that we're going to learn and grow in the things of God, the teachings of Jesus. And, and in, our, in our class upstairs uh, on Sunday morning with our teenagers, we're talking about our worldview, and today we're talking about free will. And uh, not free willy, but free will, and, and how, how important it is to understand that we have free will, that God created us and loves us so much that He lets us choose. And, and that, that our worldview is related to that, it's connected to that. What we're going to choose has everything to do with what we believe. And the teachings of Jesus have got to be what we live by, right? That he, this word of his, that this, these teachings of Christ, these, these treasures of his are what we're going to put in our life and we're going to live by them whether we feel like it or not. You know, we're going to live by the, the, the teachings of Jesus. Well, today we take with us into the new year another core value, and that is this, we're, we are compelled. We are compelled to carry out the mission of Jesus. That's what, we, that's what we're going to take with us. That's our mindset going into the new year is that it's about the mission. It's about the mission first. Because there's a, in the church, there's a lot of things that we can put first. A lot of things that we put as important. But the most important thing is Jesus and what he came here to do. And we're going to carry on what Jesus came here to do. We're going to continue to carry out the mission. Did you know that we are on a mission trip? You are on a mission trip. Did you, did you realize that? I mean, I know we say that sometimes and we kind of think that sometimes, but do you realize that you are, as, as a believer in Christ, you are not of this world anymore. You have given your life to Christ, you belong to him, and now you are a missionary for Jesus on this planet. You are a secret agent of God's. But don't keep that a secret, okay, please? Like, don't keep that a secret. We do really good at keeping that a secret. What we are is supposed to impact the world as missionaries for God. And that sounds kind of adventurous, right? We're on a mission trip. Kind of dangerous. We might get killed or something here. And you could get beat up. You could die. I mean, you could. There's danger all around. And the minute you start talking about God and, and, and truth and, and morality, uh, you could die quicker these days, right? Bad things can happen to you, but that's okay. We're, we're not worried about that. So being on a mission trip, what, 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 what does that even mean, that, that, that um, we're on a mission? Like, in reality, what does it mean that we are on a mission? 
And, and more than that, are we actually living that? Like, are we living the mission of Jesus? Or do we talk about it and we kind of know about it because we go to church and we read the Bible and we hear about it? But are we living every day, like living our lives, carrying out a mission? I was talking to our teenagers. I'm looking around. I'm not seeing them. We were talking about that this morning. Like, here, we come in here, and, and we're all guilty of this. They, uh, I wasn't pointing at them. I was pointing at all of us. But we come in here, and we hear about the Word of God. We have a Bible study at 9.30, Wednesday night. We talk about the Word of God. But when you leave here, does it make any difference in your life? Do you walk out of here and live it, figure out a way to imply it, to, to like internalize it, and then it, it, it affects the way you live your life? Like, like really, does it? Are we truly living out the mission of Jesus, not at church when we're all together, but in the real world where people are? A mission. Mission, in reality, what is it? Maybe it's when a person like takes an airplane ride and gets on an elephant, and they're in Africa, and they're, you know, they're on a mission trip. You know, the, that, that picture of a missionary on a mission trip. Maybe, maybe a mission is like the movie, remember the show, Mission Impossible? Anybody remember that show? Okay. We're old. Okay, good. Maybe it's, you know, Nassau blasting off to uh, the moon or to space. They're on a mission. Okay, a lot of things that, that tie to the idea of mission. But I, but I suppose what we're talking about when we're talking about mission, being compelled to carry out the mission of Jesus, we're talking about being the salt of the earth in the midst of the world, right? To be in the light of the world. Whether that's in a foreign mission field or right here where you live, in, in your neighborhood, right? At where you work, where you dwell, where you, God has planted you. You are a missionary to the people around you, right? And we need to be mission-minded, right? Because God has called us to be mission-minded, right? He's called us to carry out the mission, right? Okay, good. Thank you. Awesome. You guys are just like so locked in. It was like, oh my goodness. Okay, so, so according to studies and Stats. Let me give you a few, uh, a few, some numbers about, about the world and missions just to kind of set us up for where we're going to go. It is estimated that there's about 7.5 billion people on the planet, okay? 7.556 billion people on the planet as of August 2018. They counted every one of... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's about, approximate, okay? That's what we're talking about. The, out, of, out of all those people, the top, the, the, the countries with the most population... <laughs> Hi, Christine! Woo! China, India, and the United States, top three. There are, out of all those people, 7.5 billion people, there are 16,591 predicted people groups out there. Different people groups, 16,000. And did you know that of the 7.56 billion people, they estimate that almost half of those people are unreached with the gospel? Half of those people. A lot of them live in places that we just haven't gotten to. So there's a lot of people. If you think in your mind that everyone's heard the God, no, everyone hasn't heard. Everyone has not been affected by the gospel. Approximately 40% of the, 42% of the population is unreached so far with the gospel. Okay? For every, get this, for every 
one unreached group, okay, for every one of these unreached groups, there are 900 churches. Let that sink into your mind a minute. 900 churches represent every one unreached group of people. That's bizarre, isn't it? That's like, that's a lot of churches. You know, if they just work together, they could reach that one group, right? If we just pulled together somehow, we might be able to do some good. It's estimated that one and a half million Americans go on mission trips every year. That's pretty cool. One and a half million Americans get on an airplane, fly somewhere overseas for a week or 10 days or a month or whatever it is, and they carry out missionary kind of work. That's pretty crazy. Did you know that for every 60,000 tribal groups, now think, let this sink in, for every 60,000 tribal groups out there, there is only one missionary. Keith is going to be traveling those guys around the place, you know, dropping them off. That's what he's in training to do, is to help the missionaries get to the people. That's kind of cool. But that's sad. 60,000 groups, one missionary to reach those groups. And while we send out like, like millions of people every year on mission trips, right, 1.5 million, and they do good things, right? They go out. How many of you have been on a mission trip out of the country? Anybody here? Okay, maybe, maybe somebody. I hope somebody has gone out of the country here on a mission trip just to experience that, to see what God can do. But although we send people all the time, and mostly a lot of young people go, a lot of teens groups go, a lot of youth groups go, only one person out of, out of everyone who has ever gone, there's really only one person who truly understands what a mission is. Right? And, and that's, because, that's because he embraced the greatest, the greatest mission trip known to man. There's only one person. Right? So you and I, we were the, the tribal. You and I, we were lost. We were foreigners and we were strangers. And Jesus came for you. You see, he is the greatest missionary to ever walk the planet, and you are the one that he came for. I think we think sometimes it's always somebody else, and we forget that that was us. And somebody came for us. Jesus was the first one to come for us. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at this passage real quick, and then we're going to move on to some, some cool things about Jesus as our missionary. Philippians 2 says it like this. And beginning in verse 1, I love this passage. It's a familiar passage to you. You'll, you'll recognize this. But it really, it really sets the, 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 the tone for who Jesus is and what he did for you and me. And it sets it in two different ways. One, for those who respond to him, but also for those who have not yet responded to him, to those that are lost. And so all of us are somewhere in that mix. We're either looking for him, searching for him, seeking him, wondering who he is and how he fits into our life, or we've already accepted him and we're striving to live for him and be like him. So Philippians 2 verse 1 says this, Therefore, Paul writes, he says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, now that's, that's awesome, right? Uh, do you, are you encouraged by being united in Christ? Of course we are. He's going to say some things in these first few verses that, would, that we should all like, like, like be so amazed and so in awe that he has done this for us, that we just want to run out those back doors today and go and tell everyone about that. 
because he did it for them too. Like, that's what this should stir us to do. If you've any encouragement from being united with Christ, in other words, you're not lost, you're not going to hell, you're not separated from God, your sins are forgiven, you have come into a relationship with the God of all creations. If you have any encouragement in that, at all, any, I hope you have a lot, you should. Right? That's all of our hope. It's all right there. He says, if you have any comfort from his love, it's like his love and his grace for you, if that comforts you in any way, and it ought to comfort you in every way, right? And he says, if you have any common sharing in the spirit, right, in the spirit of God, if you have any tenderness, if you have any compassion, he says in verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind, right? So just think about those two verses. Paul is setting us up. He's, he's saying, look, think about for a minute, before you think about going and telling anyone about what you have, think about what you have. Like you have the riches of heaven given to you, lavished on you, poured into you. Like God has saved your soul and he's done more than that. He has given you everything you need to be a, a conqueror in this world. He says, that should be your mindset before you do anything. Remember who you are. You belong to him. Your identity is in Christ, not in anything else. Who you are, what you have, the money you got, the business you run, that means nothing. Right? All that matters is that you belong to Jesus, and that's where everything else comes from. It stems from that. Look what he says, then our actions. Once we understand what we have, look what he says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Right? This has to do with our actions, how we, how, we, how we behave, how we live. But rather, he says, in humility, value others above yourself. Amen. Not looking to your own interests, but to but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, look what he says. So that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the church working together, growing together, understanding who we are, understanding where we are blessed and who from. And then he says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Like that's what we're after, right? The mind of Christ. Right? I mean, that's a lifelong search, right? That's the greatest challenge of the, of the universe is to think like Jesus. And I don't just mean like, like have all the truths in order and the Bible books and, you know, I know the commandments and I know who wrote what book and what they said. Not, not even just that. But really having the mindset of Christ in the way I, I, I internalize things, in the way I think, in the way I make my decisions. Like that Jesus is so like saturated into my heart that I truly am good ground. And his seed that comes in is, is truly producing good fruit, not out there so much, but in me. Like I am thinking and processing and living like Christ. Like that is the ultimate goal. That's a lifelong challenge and we'll never get it. We'll never get it all. But what a great way to live. Right? What, there is no greater challenge in life than to try and live your life with the mind of Christ. And that's what Paul says. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what was Christ Jesus' mindset? Let's look. Verse 6. Who? Jesus, being very nature, God. He is God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to hold on to. Jesus, who is God, let go of his godhood 
and became one of us. Look what he says, verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing. This is a missionary. This is what a missionary is about. This is Jesus' kind of missionaries, just like Jesus. Because this is what Jesus did for you and for me. How awesome is that? How, how incredible, how, how, how a heaped amount of love does he have for you? That he would go through this for you. He made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a man, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. I mean, that's the extent of the mission love that Jesus has for you, that he left heaven, he came here and became a humble servant so that you might have eternal life. We know that here. But do we know that here? And if so, is it moving us in any way? Like, is it enough just to know that? If it doesn't move you to be like that, doesn't matter at all. If we're not, if deep within our core, we don't, we're not trying to be as much like Jesus in this way, becoming like him in this way, having the same mind, the same mind as Christ, then we have missed it. It's not about all the other stuff that we do. It's not about all the programs that we could have. It has nothing to do with those things. It has everything first to do with wanting to be like Jesus, wanting to have the mind of Christ and then living out Christ in the world. He humbled himself to the very extent of death, even a cruel death on a cross for you and for me. He is our example, right? As believers, Jesus, the greatest mission trip ever taken by the greatest missionary ever. Jesus. He's our example, right? And there's a couple things we see in Jesus, our missionary, they want to point out. The first thing is this, that, that as you look through the scriptures, as we dig a little further, there's some things we see about Jesus, the missionary, that we need to kind of like put into our thinking. And the first thing is this, he is all about it. He was all about it, and it is his father. Right? He was all about his father. That's what he was about. He was all about living his life for his father in heaven. Remember when he was a child? Jesus is a child, and he's 12 years old, and they go to Jerusalem, and they leave Jerusalem, and they can't find Jesus, right? And they come back looking for Jesus, and where is he? Remember he wandered off? He's in the temple, right? That's where they found him, in the temple. This is a 12-year-old kid with the spiritual maturity greater than most adults will ever have. A 12-year-old kid hungering and thirsting for the truth of his father. And he's in the temple, and he's asking them questions, and he's listening. And here's what it says when they find him. Luke chapter 2, verse 49, says this. Why, Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Like, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Right? But they did not understand, it says, what he was saying to them. Jesus is saying to them, like, don't you understand that I came here to be all about my father's business? I am here on a mission. 
I am here to do my father's business. And, and I don't know about you, but when we, as we live our lives, if that's not what's moving you or, or, or driving you, or that's not your purpose, that I, I'm here and I've given my life to Christ, I'm born again, I've got the t-shirt on. Now, am I about my father's business or not? Like, am I or not? Are you or not? And it's not good enough to just be partway in. It's the all-in, right? God calls us to be all-in. Jesus, to the point of death, even death on a cross, that's all-in. That's all-in. We want to be part in. We want to stick our toe in. We want to be part in here and part over there. And, and life is hard, and being human is difficult, and there's a lot of things pulling us in lots of different directions in our work, in our home, in our family, in our kids, and all this stuff. But in our mind, we have to understand that we should be all about our Father's business if we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ. And if we're truly on this mission, then His business has now become our business. And whatever it is He wants, I'm going to be about. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what He called me to do. I'm going to do what He's pushed me to do. I'm going to do what He leads me to do. I am going to do the will of my Father. That's what we should all be saying, right? That should be the attitude of all of our hearts. So wherever God has called me, I'm going to figure that out and I'm going to be about it. And I don't have to know all of it. I don't have to know where it's going. I don't have to see the end yet. I'm just going to be obedient along the way and he will reveal it as I go. He'll show me what he wants me to do as I go and it'll become clearer and clearer along the way. But I have to first say, I want to be about your business, Lord. Not my business. I want to be about your business. And that's what we want to be about. The second thing is this. Jesus came on a rescue mission, right? He came on a rescue mission. That's, that's what the missionary Jesus did. He came to be about his father's business, and he came to be on a rescue mission. Do you remember Jesus? He goes to Jericho, and there he sees this wee little man, right? Wee little man. He's up in a tree. And Jesus has this encounter with him, and uh, he calls Zacchaeus to come on down, and Zacchaeus comes down, and they go to his house. And, and look what happens as a result of this encounter that Jesus has with this one guy, Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector. It says this in Luke 19, but, but Zacchaeus stood up, he's at the house most likely, they've gone to his house to stay, and he stands up and he says to the Lord, he says to God, look, Look, Lord, here and now, not tomorrow, not some other day, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man, he says, came to seek and to save the lost. See, the mission of Jesus is about seeking and saving the lost. And please notice, Jesus went to Jericho. Jesus went searching for Zacchaeus. He didn't build a building and expect Zacchaeus to come to it. He went to Zacchaeus. That's what a missionary does. That's what missionary people do. They go to the people. That's why we go and read. That's why we're going to Allied on Wednesday to serve. That's why we go do what we're doing so that because that's what Jesus said to do and that's what Jesus did and we're just trying to be like Jesus because we want to have the mind of Christ. Don't you? Like isn't that what we want? I hope so. 
So we notice that Jesus went to Zacchaeus, and he went there looking, and he went there searching, and he has this encounter with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus' life is changed instantly. Like salvation comes to this house. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is now in his presence. And because of Jesus, Zacchaeus' life changes. He's going to give... He's going to give back the poor. He's going to give half of everything he owns to the poor, and he's going to pay back people. Anybody that he's cheated, start the line back there. If I've cheated you, get in line. I'm going to pay you back four times the amount. That is a life change. That is an encounter with Jesus. That is somebody who was once going one way and is now going the other way. He has, he has met the Lord, and, and the whole reason is because this missionary Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And when the lost get found, what happens is priorities change, don't they? Like when you come to know Christ, all of a sudden the things that were were so important to you before are no longer all that important, right? They're just things that we have in this world. We know they're going to perish. We know they're going to be done away with one day. And we understand that the most important things in this world are the things of God, the things that are connected to God and souls that are lost. And Jesus knew that. And that's why it says, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. Because that's what missionaries do. That's what we should be doing. Third thing is this. His mission had a point of completion. Okay, you ever notice that? He, he didn't just come just doing random stuff. Right? Random stuff. He didn't just come just... Like, like this parable of the sower that we, we talked about Wednesday night. Oh, wait. Was it the sower? A couple weeks ago. Good Samaritan, yeah. He, he's just throwing seed everywhere. Jesus didn't just come and throw seed everywhere. He came for all men. Don't get me wrong there. But he had a purpose. His life was intentional. He knew it was going to be cut short. And so he had, what, three years to kind of accomplish some things. And he was busy doing those things. And you think about the things he did. He reached a group of people that he would give the message to. And they would carry it on. And they would spread it to you and me. And we would carry it on. Right? We just follow suit. That's what Jesus came to do, is to, 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 to initiate the church, right? to, to set it in motion. The, the, new, the, the gospel has come, salvation has come. Now, here's my guys, go and reach the world. Go and tell everyone. Go make disciples. And so there it goes. He came also for several reasons, to, to show that he was the Son of God. And he did that through like miracles and through uh, power and through doing things that nobody has ever done and through his teachings and people were amazed and they were wowed and they were like, this guy is not another human being like anyone we've ever seen. He is God, right? So he came to show us the Father. He came to teach us things from heaven. He gave us truth that we could never get on our own. He brought it and delivered it to us. So Jesus came for a lot of reasons, but he had a point of completion. And in his prayer in John 17, at the end of his ministry, Jesus prays, like we've talked about this before, he prays for himself that he would would be in tune and, and bring glory to his Father. He prayed for the disciples that they would carry the message. And he prayed for all those that would believe in their message, you and me, right? That we would be one, that we would, we would, share it with other people, and the message would just keep going out like good missionaries do. But in John 17, verse 4, Jesus says this. He says, I brought you glory. He's praying. He's talking to his Father, and Jesus says, I brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. That's a big statement. Like, 
most Christians don't even know the work they're supposed to be doing. Right? Like, do we even know what... I, I, I don't mean like living, you know, like for Christ and honoring God and, and doing the things that all of us should be doing as Christians, but I mean that specific gifted work that God has just for you. Like, are you doing that? Jesus said, I brought you glory by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, he says, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had before the world began. And so Jesus clearly says to everyone in this prayer that he is God. That before the creation of the world, before Mary and Joseph, Jesus was already present. He is God. He came in the flesh through Mary, but he already existed. And he says, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had before the world began. Why? Why? Because God gave him a work to do on the earth, and he completed that work by dying on a cross for your sins and my sins, right? To be the perfect sacrifice to take care of what we could not, right? To give us the opportunity to be washed, to be born again. Without Jesus, we don't get that. Only in Jesus, because he's perfect. And he says, I finished that task, and by finishing the task, I have brought glory to God. And so when we discover what it is we're supposed to be doing, and we get busy doing it, the Father's work, and we're all about it, right? And we're, we understand what it is God's called us to, we bring God glory in that. right? That God says, I, I created you specifically for this, and when you're doing that, you're doing what God put you here for. That's huge. Like, don't, leave, don't live the, in this world without doing that. Don't just exist. Don't just live on the planet, but be about God's specific will for you and seek it and hunger for it and want it and thirst for it. I got to tell you, I, I did not. I mean, I was not. I'm here today, you know, 35 years ago or so when I gave my life to Christ and I got into ministry. I, I was not like seeking it. I wasn't like, God, here I am, use me. That was not my thought. I grew up Catholic and I wasn't thinking that at all. I went to Colorado and I told you why in the past. And God shut doors and he slowly grabbed hold of my heart through, through a good woman and, um, and when I gave my life to Christ, I had no idea what I was getting into. And the next thing I know, within three years, I, we had moved to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and the preacher there in this little church took a ministry somewhere else, and they all, the people looked at me and said, we want you to preach. And, and so my entrance into ministry, and then I went to Bible college, wasn't me going, God, God, I know this great plan for you. No, it was me walking around like with blinders on, you know, not knowing where I'm going, and God slowly getting a hold of me and saying, here it is. But once I realized, once I understood that, like who pushed me kind of thing, once I realized that God was grabbing hold of me and saying, this is where you're going, I just said, okay, let's go. So I'm not saying you need to know anything. I'm just saying you need to like at least be like trying to seek God, trying to serve God, doing all you can with what you do know so that when it's time, God will call you to what that specific purpose may be in your life. And that you're just willing to say, God, I will be about your work just like Jesus came here as a missionary to complete the work that his father had given him to do. 
How amazing is that? That's what a missionary does. The fourth thing is this. His mission had a message. His, me- his mission had a message. Shortly after the wilderness, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, remember, he goes to the synagogue in Nazareth, and it says, the scripture says there, he goes there in the power of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God is upon Jesus now. He's about to launch his ministry. He's been baptized into his Father, into himself, I guess you could say, and, uh, for repentance. And he now is, uh, he's been in the wilderness, and now he goes into this temple in Nazareth, the synagogue in Nazareth, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he, he's there among the people, and he stands up, and they give him the scroll of Isaiah. They hand him the scroll of Isaiah. And so he's got this scroll, and you can imagine him, you know, opening it up, however it opened, and he's looking for a verse, and he comes to this verse in verse uh, Luke 4, verse 18, he says these words, to all the people in this synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And that got their attention. That got their attention. Because right off the bat, he is claiming to be someone that Isaiah was talking about. He's claiming to be something more special than they are in a way, right? And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, and get, check it out, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, in verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, I am the one Isaiah is talking about. And I have come here as the Messiah of the world to bring salvation, to bring healing, to bring uh, clarity, to open the eyes and to set the oppressed free and to let you know right here, right now, that salvation has come, that hope has come, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor that God has saw his people, the world, in their depressed state, in their darkness, in their lostness, and he sent missionary Jesus to the earth to proclaim good news because that's what a missionary does. They proclaim good news to the world. They go and they share the good news with the world. That's what they do. And the last thing is this. The mission, his mission calls us to action. His mission always calls us to move. It calls us to go. It calls us to do something, to go do something, right? If we just listen to the word and we go out and we don't do the word, what good is that? James tells us very clearly, don't just listen to the word, but do what it says, right? Be doers of the word, right? Obedient to the word. And that's what Jesus's mission calls us to. It calls us to action. Early in his ministry, right? He got, he had to be getting a little excited, right? Because he's going to start choosing those guys that are going to follow him. He's going to call to be apostles. And so he, he's, he's going about this. He's looking for potential disciples, candidates. He's checking them out, you know, here and there, and they're doing different things. He's watching their behavior and he's moving among them. And, and finally he, he decides this is the day. These are the people. And in Matthew 4, as Jesus is walking beside 
alongside the Sea of Galilee. Could you just imagine that? He's just like walking along the Sea of Galilee. He's seen these guys before. He's probably interacted with them before. But he sees these two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And there they are. They're casting the net into the lake. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to catch some, some, some fish, you know, some minnows. I don't know what they're trying to catch. But they're at the shore and they're throwing their net. And everybody, anybody ever throw a net, like a, like a fishing net like that? It's not easy, is it? No. <laughs> It's not easy. It's not easy. Usually, usually we do that for bait fish, right? We catch bait fish. Then we go offshore and we use that bait fish. But they're, they're going to eat this stuff. And, and uh, I had a really cool experience in Haiti. I, but I've told you about that. It was so cool with the net. That kind of net fishing is different than what we do fishing, right? But um, so they're, they're casting this net, Peter and Andrew, into the lake because they're fishermen. Duh. Okay, so in verse 19, Jesus says, come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets, and they followed him. That's what, that's what mission is all about. It's calling people to action. That's what Jesus did. He calls us to action, to not just talk about being great fishermen and what the latest equipment looks like and how much it costs, because we're really good at gathering and talking about the mission. We're really good at talking about the Bible and the things of God and, and, and how awesome he is and singing about it. I mean, we, we, you could, we could fall into that. We just come in here and we just think about how great he is and how awesome he is. We hear another sermon and then we go out and we, we don't do anything. Nothing changes. Right? It doesn't penetrate our heart. The soil of our heart has become hard or the, the, the birds eat it or the weeds choke it. Right? And so it's, it's up to us to keep our soil fertile. Right, Cole and Alex? We talked about this tomorrow, right? Amen? Thank you, bro. All right. So, so to keep our, it, we have a responsibility in this, right? To not let our hearts get hard. Right? So, so Jesus came and he called people like you and me to follow him. He called us to action. That's what he calls us to because that's what a missionary does. That's what Jesus, our missionary, did for you and me. He calls us to save us and he calls us to send us, to go and do this for others, to share the good news with people. His mission was focused on the fact that he would leave heaven. He left heaven, right? He came here on a mission trip for you and for me. Our whole, the whole point of the church is tied up right there, that Jesus left heaven and came to you. The natural response to that is that you leave this building and you go to them. That's what's supposed to happen. That's why he passed the mission on to the, to the apostles, to pass on to the next generation, to pass on to, not to keep it to themselves, but to go and to tell other people. Right? That's what this is about. And here's how he carried out the mission. His focus, his focus was on the Father's work. This is what I came here to do. This is what I'm doing, the Father's work. I'm not going to let other things crowd that out or get in the way of that or take up too much of my time or my space. The Father's work. His goal was to rescue us from eternal devastation. That he came here to do the Father's work, and what that meant was saving you from hell and me. And he was steadfast in his mission to complete the job. Death, burial, resurrection, job complete. 
Check it off. That's what Jesus did. He, he did everything that his father put him here to do, and he completed the mission, and so should we. So should we. And he came with a message, and the message was good news to the poor. Good news to you and me, right? The mission to proclaim good news. And all of it requires a response, and the response Jesus gives or asks us for is, come follow me. Come and follow me. Not come go to church. Not come wear a cool t-shirt. Come follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. If we're not doing that, we've missed the mission. We've missed it. We've allowed other things to crowd it out. My guess is religious things. We just know the right things. We kind of do the right things. We got the right things going on. We're hearing about God. We're learning about Jesus. We're talking about it. We're eating together. We're taking communion. We're doing all the things we're supposed to do. But are we doing the mission? Are we doing the mission? Or are we just going through the motions? So there's a big, big difference. His mission is focused on you. It's focused on you, people, in a car, upside down, crushed in a storm, about to die, going in after them. Doesn't matter what they're wearing. Doesn't matter what they ate yesterday. Doesn't matter what they might have for lunch next week. See, nothing else really matters but them, people. He came here for you. He had you on his mind, compassion for you in his heart, like he was on fire for you, to save you, people created in his Im image. And here's the thing, his mission is your mission, it really is. If you're going to claim to be a follower of Jesus, then whatever he came to do, as much as we possibly as humanly can, because we're not him, he calls us to do. His mission has become our mission, and the question is, what is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to do? And rescuing souls is our greatest task. Saving people from a burning, fiery hell. That's what, that's what our mission is. The world is crashed. Sin is abounding, and people are dying. And our job is to get in there and rescue them. When you think about it like that, other things just don't matter anymore. Like nothing else matters. Doesn't matter. All that matters is the people. Finishing the race strong. Sharing the good news of Jesus' love. That's what it's about. And then challenging others to respond. That's what we should be about. That's what the mission is about. It's about having the same mind that Jesus had. Father, we love you so much, and we're so grateful that you love us that you have poured out to us, God, an amazing amount of love, more than we will ever understand. And today we just got a taste of, of what you mean to us and what you've done for us and that you would come to this earth that you created with your hands. That you would actually come to the planet that you made people out of dirt to save us from our sin, from our selfishness, and from, from the evil one that has taken control of the planet. 
God, our friends are out there. Our neighbors are out there. Our family members are out there. God, help us to be about the mission, that the mission of Jesus would be first above everything else that we do. We wouldn't get hung up on anything physical because we know it'll all pass away. But that we would be about the spiritual things and the spiritual souls of man that need you. God, we love you. Move us, please. Move in our hearts to be different, to do things differently. In Jesus' name I pray.